I want to talk to you today about uh, a soldier. Seems appropriate, doesn't it? I want to talk to you today about a soldier that's maybe one of the greatest soldiers of all time that served, uh, that we that we know. Um, his story of the soldier we're going to look at today is found scattered throughout of Scripture. Matter of fact, he's mentioned from much of the Old Testament and much of the New Testament. We find his story and we find things written about him. Um, in the scriptures, the soldier we're going to look at is was honored as a as a great military might, um, both as a leader of the army and as an individual soldier. That he is honored throughout Scripture just as a great man, although a man who did have issues and problems like we all do. And maybe most importantly, he is honored in the scriptures as a godly man. And ultimately, that's what we're here to talk about today: of being not only a a good person but a godly person. And the person, if you're, if you're trying to figure out who I'm talking about, most of you have figured it out today. The person that we're going to talk about that I'm referring to is David, the shepherd boy who became the king of Israel and the leader of their army. I'm going to talk about him today. And what I want to do today in the, in the minutes that we have together is to look at some of the character qualities of David. Actually, two of them we're going to look at. Um, because these are qualities that made him a great man and made him a great soldier. And they are qualities that I hope when we look in the mirror, we see in our own lives. And qualities that I hope that each of us will strive to cultivate in our lives as we look at the example of David and other soldiers that, that illustrated the same, same qualities that David had. And the first quality that I think of when I think of David is the quality of bravery. If you think of David, isn't that what you think about? A man who is incredibly brave. Now, I want to do something today, if you're visiting, that I, you've never heard me ever do before in a sermon. And that's, quote, the dictionary. Um, for some reason, in times past, pastors always would say, and Webster says, and tell you what the Bible says. You've never heard me say that? I've never done it before. But I want to do it today, but for a little different reason. Because when I think of bravery, and when I looked up bravery in the dictionary, bravery by Webster is defined as not afraid or having courage. Now, I don't claim to be a genius. You know that. And I am sure that the authors of Webster's dictionary are smarter than I am, but I think they missed it here. I think in defining bravery, they missed what bravery is really all about. And I think they missed it in a way that maybe a lot of us miss it. And because we would misunderstand bravery, we would say, I'm not a brave person. You're not a brave person. Because we'd misunderstand bravery in its definition. You see, I don't think for a moment that bravery is about not being afraid. Matter of fact, just the opposite. I think brave people are afraid. Rather, bravery, matter of fact, if you weren't afraid, it wouldn't really be bravery. What is bravery? Rather, I think bravery is conquering fear. It's looking fear in the eye and doing what has to be done. That's what bravery is. It's having courage and with courage taking on a challenge that causes a person to be fearful. And that's really what I think bravery is all about. And David, King David, shepherd boy David, revealed this quality. He revealed it throughout his life, and we read about it in all kinds of ways in scriptures and reading stories about David where he faced challenges that did make him fearful, 
even if this text doesn't say he was fearful, he would have to be fearful because he's a person, but that he conquered them anyways. He looked them in the eye and he did what had to be done. And I think in particular one story about David and his life reveal this idea of bravery. And it's a story of him as a little young as a young man taking on Goliath on a battlefield. In that situation, David was clearly the underdog. He was just a youth. Matter of fact, he was taunted for being a youth. And he certainly looked at the situation, looked at Goliath, this huge man, and realized that Goliath had every advantage. Yet with bravery, with courage, he took on the challenge. Now you know the story I'm referring to, correct? The story of David and Goliath is the story of, of children's church and Sunday school classes. It's a story of that they years ago when I was a kid, I watched on Sunday morning um, David and Goliath that the Lutheran Church put out a, a little a little a claymation a story that they that they had every week. It's a story that I think we're familiar about. David, this shepherd boy, armed with only a sling and five smooth stones, goes on the battlefield against Goliath a giant of a man. And as history tells us, best they can understand that this Goliath that he was going to fight had been an undefeated champion at warfare and had killed every challenger that had ever taken him on before. And here he is now challenging the armies of God and saying, who's going to fight me? And taunting them day after day day. And David, the shepherd boy, had leaving his sheep, bringing some food to his brothers who are part of the army of Israel, bringing them and approaching the battlefield, finds out what's going on, and he, he says this. He says, you know what? I've killed a lion, and I've killed a bear while I was defending my father's sheep, and I'll kill this Philistine also because he's degrading my God. And he goes and he fights him. And the Bible says in the story about David, this brave man, he didn't just fight him, but it says he ran into battle. He ran into the face of his enemy, and with one stone he hurls from his sling. He hits the giant of a man between the eyes, knocking him to the ground, knocking him unconscious, and takes his own sword, Goliath's own sword, and cuts off his head and wins the battle. Now, friends, that's bravery. That's the stuff that soldiers are made of. Isn't it? That's the stuff we think of when we look at soldiers. We think of that. Well, you know what? We don't have to look so far in our day and age or throughout the history of our soldiers to see that many soldiers are made of that same stuff that David was made of, that kind of, that, that bravery stuff. See, I did something this week. I did something that, that you could find interesting doing yourself. I took my computer I went to, to Bing or Google, and I simply typed in two words. I entered in soldiers and bravery. And you know what happened? Hundreds upon hundreds of examples came up from newspaper articles and web entries from all over the globe came up talking about the bravery of soldiers. Now, I did something else. I entered in bravery in politicians. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and nothing came up when the two of them were in the same one. But I entered in bravery and pastors, and nothing came up. 
you could do whatever you are, bravery and electrician, and maybe nothing would come up, or bravery and school teacher, and maybe nothing would come up. Things came up that had the same words in the articles, but it didn't have ever where it was talking about the bravery of that person that I entered in. But when I entered in bravery and soldier, hundreds of examples came up. And I want to share with you about just two of them out of the hundreds that came up to show us that David, the young shepherd boy who grabbed his sling and ran into battle, was brave, but that that bravery didn't die with David. The first one is a story from World War I of a soldier from New, from, that came from North Dakota. His name was Lieutenant Colonel Fred Smith. And the reason I pulled it out is because it was an article that was, that was thanking, it was talking about th- that the service where they thanked his family for what he had done. And that the thing that was unique about him is that he was, did a very heroic act as a very high-ranking officer during combat in World War I. I thought that was interesting. He was a high-ranking officer who could have sent people into battle, but instead he led people into battle. And this is his story. It says this, the bravery of Lieutenant Colonel Fred E. Smith is in the forest of the Argonne in Europe during World War I. Saved the lives of soldiers under his command and earned him the highest honors given by the U.S., France, and Italy. Unfortunately, it also cost him his life. On the morning of September 29, 1918, communications between Smith's division and the forward unit had been interrupted by the infiltration of Germans armed with machine guns. Smith personally led a group of 12 men to try to reopen communications. They came under fire from German machine guns just 50 yards away. And after making certain that his own men had proper cover, he charged the machine gun encampments with just his pistol. Despite being repeatedly wounded, he continued his assault on the Germans until he was finally killed. His actions allowed most of his men to get safely out of range of the, of the machine guns. Friends, that's bravery. That's bravery, knowing that you could tell your troops, charge that machine gun. Instead, you say, you guys take cover, and I'll take care of you. And he charged headlong into certain death, saving the lives of his 12 men that were with him and costing his own life. But what I found is that Lieutenant Colonel Fred Smith isn't alone. That story after story after story that I found talked about similar things. This story is about a a man named Staff Sergeant Salvatore Gunta. It says this, Sal and his platoon, this is a a modern story, and that's what I was looking for to say it hasn't died. Some people want to say that chivalry is dead and bravery is dead and and that people aren't what they used to be, and, and I agree the greatest generation was maybe the greatest generation, but we still have great, brave people today. It says this, Sal and his platoon were several days into a mission in the Korangal Valley, the most dangerous valley in northeast Afghanistan. The moon was full. The light it cast was enough to travel without using their night vision goggles. With heavy gear on their backs and air support overhead, they made their way single file down a rocky ridge crest along terrain so steep that sliding was sometimes easier than walking. They hadn't traveled a quarter mile before the silence was shattered. It was an ambush so close that the cracks of the guns and the whiz of the bullets were simultaneous. Tracer fire hammered the ridge at hundreds of rounds per minute, more, Sal said later, than the stars in the sky. The Apache gunship above saw it all, but couldn't engage with the enemy so close to our soldiers. 
The next platoon heard the shooting, but were too far away to join in the fight. And the two lead men were hit by enemy fire and knocked down instantly. When the third was struck in the helmet and fell to the ground, Sal charged headlong into the wall of bullets to pull him to safety behind what little cover there was. As he did, Sal was hit twice, one round slamming into his body armor and the other shattering the weapon slung across his back. They were pinned down, and the two wounded Americans still lie up ahead. So Sal and his comrades regrouped and counterattacked. They threw grenades, using the explosions as cover to run forward, shooting at the muzzle flashes still erupting from the trees. They did it again and again and again, throwing grenades, charging ahead. Finally, they reached one of their men. He had been shot in the leg, but had kept returning fire until his gun had jammed. As another soldier tended to his wounds, Sal sprinted ahead at every step, meeting the relentless enemy fire with his own. He crested a hill alone with no cover but the dust kicked up by the storms of bullets still biting into the ground. There he saw a chilling sight, the silhouette of two insurgents carrying the other wounded American away who happened to be one of Sal's best friends. Sal never broke stride. He leapt forward, he took aim, he killed one of the insurgents and wounded the other who ran off. Sal found his friend alive but badly wounded. Sal had, sever, had, had saved him from the enemy. Now he had to try to save his life. Even as the bullets impacted all around him, Sal grabbed his friend by the vest and dragged him to cover. For nearly half an hour, Sal worked to stop the bleeding and to help his friend breathe until the medevac arrived to lift the wounded from the ridge. American gunships worked to clear the enemy from the hills, and with the battle over, 1st Platoon picked up their gear and resumed their march through the valley. They continued their mission. Now, friends, that's bravery. That's bravery. Knowing that it would probably most assuredly, assuredly cost him his life, he charged headlong into the fire to rescue his friend. And I think one of the things of that article, that the reason I wanted to bring this article, of all the hundreds up, was the nonchalantness it uses at the end of the, of the very last sentences saying, and when the fight was over, they simply resumed their march into enemy territory, that they didn't have a time for a parade to come and to celebrate them, that these brave men and brave women just continued on with what they had been asked to do. Well, friends, I thank God for our brave soldiers. I thank God for bravery. And I think that we need a lot more bravery in our day. And it's something that I'm not certain that we celebrate and challenge the way generations past have. You know what this, one of the saddest things I found? Maybe the only sad thing I found? When I looked for examples of bravery and I entered in to Bing um, soldiers and bravery, is that most of the articles that were written were written about British soldiers. It wasn't saying that there weren't American soldiers. It was saying that the American press didn't celebrate the bravery of its soldiers, but the British, so, British press over and over and over again, celebrated the bravery of their British soldiers in Afghanistan and in Iraq and all the rest of the places where the articles came from. Friends, I think we need to celebrate bravery. I think that we need to, to um, in our day and age, we need to, to be people who are brave. We need to be, as, as people of our society, as leaders in our society, we need to have people who are brave. Leaders at least the way I have seen it, and I'm trying not to be critical, but just, just seeing what I see, 
is that leaders have become so handicapped by political correctness that they refuse to lead and to bravely face the challenges that lie right in front of us. Friends, leadership requires the bravery to fight the enemy that can destroy us even at great personal cost. That's what bravery is all about. We need to celebrate bravery. We need more brave men and women. We need more Fred Smiths and Salvatore Guntas in our day and age. And church, lest we think this is simply a military thing, we need to be people of bravery today more than ever before. You see, there are so many things that can cause us to shrink back in fear in our day and age. The, 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 the Goliaths of our day, they can cause us to do what the whole rest of the army of Israel did, run and, and cower and hide. We need to be like David's in our day and age and face the Goliaths. And there's a lot of them out there. Global political unrest, huge economic problems, moral and societal decline, all the things that cause us to, to look at a Goliath and say that Goliath is, is too big to fight. Well, friends, a brave person looks at a Goliath and says he's too big to miss instead of he's too big to fight. That's what bravery does, takes on the enemy head on. But the question we have to ask ourselves today is how? How do we face these things in our lives, in our world, in our very own small worlds that we face every day that are going to require bravery to walk forward through, to, to raise our kids the way they need to be raised, and to, and to stand up for what is right? How do we do that? Well, soldiers teach us how. You see, I can't speak for Lieutenant Colonel Fred Smith or for Staff Sergeant Salvatore Gunta, but we do know about King David because his story is written for us in the Scriptures. And this is what we find about King David and being brave. And it's this, that he was brave for a reason. He was brave because he knew he was honoring God in what he did, and he knew that God was with him. That's how he could face this huge giant, because he said, God is with me, I can't fail. Walking with the Lord gives us bravery, and that's exactly what the story of David teaches us. If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. It's just one little snippet of the story of King David's life, and it's part of the story of David fighting Goliath. But I think it's so important for us to, to understand what it says today, because it's going to talk about the why he was brave. 1 Samuel, chapter 17, reading from verse 45 to 47, it says this, it says, then David said to the Philistine, that's Goliath. He looks at him, little pipsqueak teenager and giant Goliath. And he looks at him and he says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you, and I will give the, de your, the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." David understood the key, or we can understand the key to David's bravery by that couple of verses right there. David said, it's not about me. It's not about me being so strong or me being so skilled. Rather, he said, the battle is the Lord's. 
And friend, when we follow after God ourselves, as David did, when we act in ways that honor God and do the things that he would have us to do, friends, we can be certain about something. We can be certain that he is with us. And we can be certain that the battle is the Lord's. And what we find, friends, is that sparks bravery. I can be brave. I can handle a giant when I know that God is walking with his hand around me, his arm around me. That's what David understood. He wasn't doing his own thing. He was doing God's thing. And as he did that, he knew he could bravely face whatever came his way. You know, friends, I don't know what giants you may be facing in your life today. I know in our society we have a lot, but I also know in your personal lives you have a lot. But I do know that if you walk with the Lord, that he will help you to bravely face whatever comes your way. See, we need to face our giants. We need to be people, as people who know the Lord, who face our giants, who do not run in fear. And friends, that's something that soldiers have taught us. That's something that David has taught us. And I hope it's a character quality that will grow and develop in all of us. Amen? So that's the first quality. The second one is going to talk about a little briefer. First of all, I want to look at that positive, wonderful side of David being brave and our soldiers being brave. But there's another thing that's not quite as, we wouldn't think as soldier-like about David, but that all soldiers deal with. And something that we can learn from as we look at David and look at soldiers and that we need to, that we need to gather today. And it's something about, that we learn about soldiers or from soldiers and from David. And it's this, that often soldiers carry heavy burdens. They carry heavy burdens with them through their lives. You see, what we see in the life of David and we see in the lives of soldiers is often the actions of a soldier. The warfare and the bloodshed can lead to feelings of remorse for what had happened in the past. The actions on the battlefield become memories that can plague a person with a sense of guilt and remorse for their actions. Just within the last week or so, I talked with a retired soldier who, with tears in his eyes, told me about the medications that he takes to help him to deal with the memories of what happened to him on a battlefield what seems like a lifetime ago. And sadly, friends, that isn't unusual. You see, Suzanne and I, for years, years ago, for a couple of years, Suzanne and I worked at a street mission for homeless people. And we found something that we didn't anticipate finding when we went to the street mission. We found that many of the people, I would say the majority of those people that were living on the streets that we served were ex-soldiers whose lives had been gripped with the pain of the past, had been gripped with remorse for the things that they had been part of, and the pain was so great that it kept them from moving on and being able to live what we would call normal lives. And when we look into the life of King David, that great soldier, we we find that he was just the same, that he dealt with remorse from the things of his past. Now, interestingly, as you look at the life of King David, we don't find him feeling, feel, or at least expressing feelings of remorse for the many battles that he fought for the Lord. We don't find him saying he felt remorse for conquering Goliath. But what we do find is that we find him remorseful for using his position in the military as commander-in-chief of Israel's army 
to have an innocent soldier killed to cover up his own sin. That as a functioning part of the military, he lived in such a way that he regretted something he did and he was filled with remorse because of it. The story tells us that that one day, while David's army was off in battle, fighting, fighting the enemies, that David chose to do what the commander shouldn't have done. He chose to stay behind. And it says that he was on the roof of his house and he was looking over the city and he saw a beautiful woman that was taking a bath. And that that beautiful woman was the wife of one of his soldiers. And he had that beautiful woman brought to him in the, in the royal place, the royal home, and, and then did inappropriate things and she became pregnant. And then to cover up his actions, he had her husband positioned on the battlefield where he would then be killed by the enemy. And it tells us that sometime later in his life, his sin was exposed by the prophet of God who came to him and said, this is what you did. And he wrote a psalm, and it reveals his feelings of remorse and his sadness over what he had done. Turn me, if you would, to Psalm 51 that David wrote. This great soldier wrote this, this psalm because of the feelings of remorse he had for the sin that he had committed. Psalm 51, read most of the psalm. And I, I chose on purpose today, we're going to read this psalm and another psalm as we close. But I chose on purpose today to spend more time just reading God's word and less time telling you what it means. So that the power of God's word can be effective in your heart today. This is what David, the soldier, the remorseful soldier, had to say. He's calling out to God. He says, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, only you, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden parts you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God the God of my salvation, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifices, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. It's it's David this great soldier who was also this incredible writer, inspired by the Spirit of God himself, recognizing the reality of his sin and his guilt. You know, he knew from Psalm 51, he knew he was wrong. 
He knew that what he did was, was inappropriate, and, and he was brokenhearted over his actions, and he felt remorse for it. He felt remorse for what he called blood guiltness. He said, and I imagine it this way, he thought how the blood of Uriah the Hittite, this innocent soldier that had been killed because of him, was still on his hands. And I don't know if it really happened this way, but I bet in my, in my heart I see that he washed his hands, and he washed his hands, and he said, I still feel bloody, I still feel guilty. For what had happened. Now friends. There is a reason. That I'm bringing this up today. There's a reason you say. Why in the world with a group of soldiers. And with people would you bring up. This, this burden that they carry. And it's for this reason. It's not to make anyone feel more remorseful. For any actions of the past. Soldier or non-soldier. We all have things in our past. Rather I want to reveal. What David discovered. Because David's remorse led to victory. I want to share with you what David discovered. And this is basically in a nutshell what David discovered. His remorse over doing something wrong. Something that, that even if whether it was a person who willingly did it wrong or just was a participant in something. Remorse led him to repentance. It led him to a place where he went to God to seek forgiveness. That's what repentance is. And his repentance led him to freedom from his guilt. And friends, this is the quality of the soldier David that I want us to grasp today. Maybe more important than his bravery is that he allowed his feelings of remorse to lead him to say, I want God to come in and change me. And then he experienced the free gift of God, of freedom from guilt. And he writes about that the same way he wrote about his his feelings of guilt. Turn a few pages back in your Bibles to Psalm 32 where he expresses about the freedom that he receives after turning to God. His remorse caused him to repent. His returning to God, his repentance brought deliverance and freedom. Look at Psalm 32 with me. Look at the first six verses. This is how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no Deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's what he discovered. Therefore, he says to everyone else, therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. You forgave the guilt of my sin. David found it. He found the great gift. David discovered the freedom of forgiveness. His remorse was replaced with the joy of knowing his sins were forgiven. Now, friends... I have to believe that many of us here today, military and non-military, we're like David. We carry with us the, the burdens of things from our pasts that we wish we could be free from. And like David, we can find freedom through forgiveness. If you struggle with the things from your past, then let's learn from David. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and acknowledge if there is sin and ask God for forgiveness, cleansing, and freedom. 
and this is what I know about God's word, that like David found it, we will find it also. And that's the best news that any person could ever experience. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?